Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome, guys. This week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your your Heavy Metal podcast host, Tony Evans. Um, welcome back from last week. I hope you enjoyed last week. It was a bit of a ramble, a bit of a, a weird one for me, but I really enjoyed it. The old Bonfire Night one. Those in the UK, if it obviously just had Bonfire Night, I hope you've looked after yourself. No one got hurt, and all the pets were okay. Because a lot of the time, the pets I've got to mention is the dogs and cats get very scared um, during. Uh, Guy Fawkes night uh, and there was a big call particularly here in Australia to ban fireworks in most states we've banned them here in Aust- in Canberra um, uh, hopefully that that isn't the case there you can still safely enjoy um, the heritage and the fireworks anyway this week's episode it's a bit longer this week's episode guys so strap in I was going to try and do it in my normal hour length but I think it might go over um it's a two-parter. First part is uh, a fan favourite, and the second part is uh, a, one of my favourites and a, a pick I don't think you'll, you'd pick. If you listen to the show and you get to the half-time and you think, I'm gonna, I know what it is, I'd be really surprised. Okay, uh, I think some of you might get it, some of you might not. So, it's this week's one is Judas Priest. Um, I was going to do a Judas Priest album, just for a bit of retro, you know, I haven't done an album review for a couple of weeks, so I was just going to do a priest one and then I thought I was sort of talking to my wife and she said why don't you do you know one on each part and then you can sort of have a variant and I thought how do I do that without some of just two album reviews so I figured I'll do fan favorite which I think is going to be a new um, regular thing for me fan favorite and then my pick um, I'm a big fan so it's still technically a, a fan pick but it's the one that most people get so the first part of the show is about Judas Priest's uh, British Steel now, he's 40 years old, um, well, 42 years old now, uh, and it uh, it stands the test of time. Those out there new to um, the heavy metal genre and new to this podcast, um, Judas Priest are the undeniable um, princes, I think, of traditional heavy metal. I think the kings of Black Sabbath... And the princes are Judas Priest, and, and the reason I say that, um, there's push up, don't get sort of jump uppity about it. But pre, sort of Sabbath invented the sort of sound, and Priest invented the style. I think, uh, and they sort of took the Sabbath sound as well, mixed it with, mixed it with um, their love of Led Zeppelin and um, blues rock, and. Again, go back to, if you're new to the show, go back to the episode way back there that's um, it's called Where the Blues Go Man, and that will find out more about that. Um, so this is their sixth studio album. Uh, it came out on the 11th of April 1980 on Columbia Records. It was the first album with uh, Dave Holland on drums, recorded back in 79 of February and in uh, December 79 and February 1980 it's 36 minutes long and but it was produced by Tom Allen now Tom Allen those non-music nerds out there who don't know who he is um, he 
recorded Priest, Sabbath, Crocus, Def Leppard, to name a few. So really good pedigree when it came to this album. Now, the albums leading up to this um, and the lead out uh, were still very heavy, still, um, you know, because it was 1980, it was the sort of, they were really right coming into that crest of, of, of the new wave of British heavy metal, um, which is, you know, when there was a big ground um, of all the, the sort of heavy metal, you know, getting, you know, getting the airwaves um, post the punk movement. And, you know, they're from 74, they recorded Rock and Roller, Sad Wings of Destiny in 76, uh, 77, Sin After Sin, um, 78, Stained Class, uh, 70, uh, 78 again, um, in the same year they released Killing Machine, and then, of course, comes British Steel. Now, uh, a lot of people out there will will put Priest at this point into the new wave of British heavy metal genre, um, subgenre. It, it's incorrect. It's absolutely incorrect. It couldn't be further correct if you wanted to try about it because um, new wave of British heavy metal is is a is a collective of the hive mind of of kids and and getting together and making music from a certain point. Um, and it's like saying that. Um, the Kinks are a punk band, they're a proto-punk band. Um, I think the same with... Oops, sorry, my mic. What's happening there? Did you hear that? That was terrible. Um, I knocked it. They're a proto-punk band. Sort of, uh, I, would, I would call Priest a proto-New Wave of British Hip Hop band, band uh, if, I had, if I had to. Sorry, guys, went back and just change the cable mic on the cable seamless edit hear that seamless edit um anyway i'll call them a project because they were formed and, and their first album is 76 it's not 1980 um which is the sort of 80 81 which is that period of time for the new wave of british heavy metal uh, you can say 79 i suppose um depends where you pick you want to be but it's still not they weren't formed in that volcanic eruption of music they were formed before then um, doing blues covers and Zeppelin covers and Zeppelin nice music that aside they make an album that sits really really well in the new wave of British heavy metal category if you went into a record shop um, in 1980 when this came out uh, it would sit lovely in that you know with Iron Maiden and Angel Witch and um Diamond Head and so on. It would sit there really well. Motorhead and so on. Um, it had two singles of it. Um, Breaking the Law uh, was released on the 23rd of May 1980 and United. Um, oh, sorry. Three singles. Living After Midnight, 21st of March 1980. Breaking the Law, 23rd of May 1980. And United, um, United 15th of August 1980. Sorry about that. I can't read my hand, own handwriting. <laughs> what a surprise. The track listing goes as um, Side 1, Breaking the Law, Rapid Fire, Metal of Gods, Grind and United. Flip it over to, B, to the B side, you've got Living After Midnight, You Don't Have to Be Old to Be Wise, The Rage and Stealer. Now I'm not going to go um, track by track through this um, epic album, uh, I don't think, um, because firstly most of you that have got this far in my podcast i've already heard it um most of you will already know about it and i want those that don't know about it uh who are listening now for the first time and are new to the genre to go out and and, and not go there with my words ringing in their ears i want you to go there with virgin ears and and enjoy it um as much as i did the first time i heard it now the first time i heard it was way back i reckon 81 I reckon 81, I was like 9, no, what was I, it was 8, um, uh, 8 or 9, anyway, around that time, my brother and I would, in he, often on a weekend, Andy, my older brother, my oldest brother would take me into the West End, just to kill time, do things, we'd go to like the British Museum and the Natural History Museum, and we just did the museums and, and sort of stuff like that, And um, but he would like to go to Carnaby Street. Because in Carnaby Street, there was the Great Frog. Now, the Great Frog is an amazing jewellery 
business uh, jeweler and uh, still there now um, I highly recommend you going on the website and looking at their work um, my brother Andrew had like lots of silver rings he liked sterling silver and they only work in sterling silver and he had like these rings made with, with doll's eyes in them now that Toya Wilcox made it really popular but um, I think Lemmy had one quite a lot of people had them they also made the jewelry for a movie for a lot of horror movies um, as well but they also made um, Bruce Dickinson's Iron Ma uh, Eddie belt buckle for the um, Power Slave tour now oh, is it the Power Slave tour I think it was Power Slave anyway um, I didn't research that enough. I just sort of in passing. But we used to go to there, and um, brother would save up for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to buy himself a silver ring. And we'd be in there, and be, they'd be playing Motorhead or Iron Maiden, and they, did, they were playing Judas Priest. I remember it because they were playing Living After Midnight, um, and Andy was—he didn't like really um, heavy music, but he like. He liked all music. Like he was mainly a, a soundtrack, some prog, and a bit of folk. But he really liked occasional heavy bit of music, and he liked Priest. Um, now Andrew, um, just he just liked he had an alternative way of life, and I think he liked that. He liked the, um, which is a, a nice way of saying uh, he liked Rob Halford's image. I think. Anyway. Um, so we were also, but but not just that. So we came out. Of the, I remember being this in in there, and just up from there was a, a store that sold um, band T-shirts and like memorabilia and all that sort of stuff. And Andy bought me um, a Power Slave T-shirt, and he got himself uh, a Judas Priest shirt. And I think it was actually it was Rock and Roller. So it had the it had the. Uh, um, Coca-Cola bottle on the front because I don't I think he liked it but it wasn't too it was white as well it wasn't black and I think it, he was like I could wear this anytime sort of thing so that's when I first, was first introduced to, to this particular band and this particular album and uh, I do vaguely remember my mate Daniel next door owning or listening to the whole album when we were like 12 um, although he was into hip-hop well, he had the album um and it's a, it's a cracker of an album. It, it is exactly it does exactly what it says on the bottle, uh, with with Priest. It's um, you know, firstly, uh, oh, I should give you the lineup, shouldn't I? Um, it's uh, Rob Halford on on vocals, as we all know. The, Sir Rob, it should be Sir Rob Halford. Why he's not, I don't know. K.K. Downing and Glenn Tipton on guitars. Glenn Glenn Tipton, my teeth backing Tony. Ian Hill on bass and Dave Holland on drums. Uh, we'll scoot over Dave Holland. He's got a very um, checkered past. I won't go into what he what has happened with him, what he did. You can look yourself. I think we'll leave it at that. Um, but KK Downing and Glenn Tipton and Ian Hill, what a what a absolute fantastic you know um, trivia uh, sort of triptych. That's the wrong word, isn't it? Um, trio. That's the right word. Um, there used to be a chocolate bar when I was a kid called Trio. Um, trio and you know Ian Hill is Ian Hill he holds that bass line down very very well he's not doing anything special as Ian Hill he's not running around that fretboard like like you know um, Jacko Pistorius he's not um, he's not you know doing anything he's, uh, he's usually just the one octave below the guitar part and he holds it down well he's also got the one guitar he's also got the one dance move um, I won't ruin it for you just watch them live, watch a video of them, um, and you'll see what I mean. And then, of course, you've got Downing and, and Tipton, uh, um, you know, like Wishbone Ash, like Iron Maiden, dueling guitars. It makes rock and roll. It makes heavy metal. It, if you, I honestly do believe the best heavy metal bands, apart from, uh, you know, you know, have the dueling guitars. Yeah, I know Motorhead doesn't, but... That aside, the dueling guitars, right? The two guitars. Slayer is another one. Um, you know, they just feed off each other. One solos into another. The other has a different pattern. Someone's got more strengths and weaknesses. Um, and it makes really, really fun rock and roll. And I think this is the thing about this album is it's fun rock and roll. We get ourselves, you know, uh, and you'll find out in the second half about the show about this, but they get yourself wrapped up in all sorts of um, strangeness in this 
world of music and what we lose is the pure spark and fire as in the revolution and rebellion episode last week we lose the fire of that music uh, also by the way um, i missed a loadout last week uh, i did do that rather sort of not off the cuff i knew what i was doing but i i'd sort of when i got off tangent i went off tangent and i forgot about all lots of other little pieces and pieces i will catch that up again and do a two-part second part of that anyway um so but the most striking thing about the album is the artwork i mean the first thing that you notice is the artwork of breaking the law so it's a hand holding a big razor blade um now it looks like the, the razor blade's cutting into the fingers of the hand um those out there young who listen to don't know what a razor blade is and i'm sorry for the older people here i'm going to just pander to the youth a razor blade is is a two-sided very thin piece of sheffield steel they're usually made in sheffield where the band are from pressed in the steel the best steel in the world is made in sheffield and it's pressed with a very very sharp edge either side and holes in the middle you'll see with the picture on the album cover and it, it would go in my dad used to use and my grandfather used to use them my dad used an open razor actually a cut fruit razor but my granddad used to use them um it was like a you'd pop the blade into the top of the little um uh, razor a uh, safety razor it was called then and and you'd screw it down and it would have the blade would appear just enough out the size of the edges so you could shave with it uh and you know obviously people use them for other things as well um cutting up cocaine um self-harm sadly but the the, the razor blade was used for a lot it was a at the time, which was controversial, it was the sign that it was a sort of symbol of the punks. The punks would have them dangling from their ears, um, and so on, and, and they ripped their clothes up with them. And it was a, um, a sign of, a, of, if you think about it, it was the you know sort of artistic way. It was way art the punks taking something that was of an old generation and destroying things with it. So destroying the new with the old, and the old with the new, and so on. Um, but so there was big discussions around the, the the band about that because they were like, oh, okay, you know, a lot of the a lot of the metal bands were trying to distance themselves from punk apart from like Motorhead, um, and it was Glenn, it was um, Ian Hill's idea, and he said, no, no, no I I don't want to do it, and, and and apparently the band thought it was a great idea because of all the bands really that sort of I think um, identify with punk even more so than Motorhead, is Priest. Because Priest uh, were, and still are, a band about um, the exuberance and love and passion for rock and roll, heavy metal, and all that entails. And I don't, and I don't think they look to, they don't look at music as a genre, as genres. I think, I think that that band there just play music because it's loud, fast, fun, and and it make it creates an emotion that you know you're not expecting. You know, it just elicits an emotion, which is what punk did. Whether you like it or not, or you whether you're you know one of those people that just hate it, that's fair enough. Again, that's eliciting an, uh, an emotion, um, and I think that that that's what why they didn't mind having the razor blade. Now, in certain parts of the world, um, the razor blade was airbrush so it looked like it, it was on the ed- the fingers on the edge of the blade because in america i believe and possibly even australia i have to check in the australian print i've only got the uk and american print um the it it was too offensive or was too worrying to the record label that it looked like they were it was cutting to the fingers they deliberately didn't put blood on it um although i do believe there are prints where there is blood on it now i think my mate millsy has got a copy of one of those which I'd have to one day try and purloin from him. Um, I don't think it's very... I'd have to look into the actual... Maybe look into Discogs and see about that. But it it was it's just striking, okay? Um, the, the, the band liked the idea of having that punk connection. They also liked the idea of connecting with their grandfather's um, past with a razor blade. They also liked the fact that it connects with their town of Sheffield where they were raised, where the stamping mills... I mean... Um, Rob Halford tells a story about being at school and the, the desks would move and the pens would roll because they were near the mills where they stamped the steel 
and it would stamp. And he also, that's where that, well, you know, um, they reckon that's where they get the sound of their band from and where heavy metal comes from. Uh, yeah, sort of, but then Black Sabbath is Birmingham and that's also an industrial town. So, um, I mean, it's not another episode to cover that, but heavy metal is a British institution derived mainly and f- forefrontly from industrial towns, um, dirty, um, sad, dilapidated mill towns, basically. And that's not only that people live out there because it's beautiful, those parts of the world. I'm just saying that's what it was back then. Now, where am I? Oh, yes. So it was designed, the actual artwork was done by Roslav Zazbo, S-Z-A-Y-B-O. So if I've butchered his name. Um, uh, and it um, it took some time for him to put it together, uh, to get it right. Um, they really wanted the British Steel stamped on the on the blade. They wanted it quite realistic, which is a hard thing to do, um, you know, in that form and I think having that stark black background really brings it up highlights on the album for me I mean, I've got the album by the way um, I have it on several versions on vinyl CD cassette and I think somewhere in my collections the 8 track version of it um, highlights for me really are standouts I mean you can do the breaking the laws and living after midnight and they you know they're staples of the show uh, and of the band but I think Rob Halford's um, sort of vitriolic spit of the lyric grinder. I mean, it's sort of hilarious now because it's a gay dating app, isn't it? Um, and how do we not know that Rob Halford was not homosexual? And I know that it was probably hidden because, again, st- um, people in the past were not understanding. But, you know, he comes out wearing studded leather and, and bondage pants and, and you know, bond- a little bondage hat and has a whip. You know, oh, one second there's my phone going, one second my girlfriend goes. I'll be back in a moment. You know, bloody phone goes and you, you run to it, and by the time you get to it, it's not, it, you, you don't get to it in time. When you get to it in time, it's not someone you want to talk to anyway. Anyway, that's an old man thing there, you know. But so, um, this classic album, the reason it's a great album is that it's, it was written when albums were made as albums so you had to squeeze the songs on it's 36 minutes and 10 seconds long it's the it's the ideal in length it's a journey to work it's a journey to school it's a journey to it's to the shops and back it's a walk around the block it's you know a moment in your life which doesn't take the whole day up um grinders are the vocal cords of course you know the the this foot stamping industrial sound of metal gods because of course it's not you might think it's about being metal gods as in we are metal gods um i personally think it's about um the behemoth of um steel stamping machines the smoke billowing the the belching of of flame and heat um the the destroying of the men's lungs you know the the work in the foundries and the the um the 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 keeping the families alive um and of course what you do you you may pray to that god to keep you your your food on the table uh, and i think metal gods um do that and yes i know that lyric isn't necessarily that but i think that's how i look at it um you know i also like um you know you you have don't have to be old to be wise i mean and uh, the more I listen to that and more I get older, the the more I find it um, uh, a really... It's a bit... What it reminds me a bit of, actually, it reminds me a bit of two... You know, um, the Jeffro Toll song, um, you know, um, Too Old to Rock and Roll, to, you know. I think, I think that's um, Too Young to Die. I think that's the... Um, it just reminds me of that. It's a bit like that kind of thing. It's sort of, I think Howard and that time were coming into a certain age. Um, they were also too old to be young, too young to be old, you know, in that sort of liminal space, that space in between. And I think that's where that comes from. And, you know, ending the album on Steeler, I mean, I think it's a weaker, weakest on the album. I wouldn't end it that way. 
fair, to be honestly truthful, I would have ended with United because United is a brilliant song. It's a great single. It's great anthemic. It brings this. It's like um, Blood Brothers with Iron Maiden. You know, it brings it brings you together. It brings a sing along. It brings a, a sense of belonging and, and and being part of and what and that's exactly what I a heavy metal is for me and always why I'm, I'm very passionate about it is because it's a sense of belonging. I same with I was with punk and I am with punk. It's a sense of belonging. Whereas like prog, I find is a sense of um, look at me, I'm clever, you're not kind of thing. Whereas you know, not I don't mean to be that way, but you know what I mean. It's a bit more, it's a bit more conciliatory. Whereas um, I know another long long word, you know, wheelbarrow, yeah, or Scarborough, another long one. Um, misanthrope is another one. Hey, look, I can chuck them all out. So, the thing is, um, that I would have ended in United, but it is what it is. Okay, um, it it the mix. What do I think of the mix? Um, yeah, the mix is. It's a little flat sometimes. I have to say, in the original print. Um, but then again, my original vinyl print is really old, and I've played it too many times and I'd say that's probably why that comes across that way it does sound better in the 40th anniversary I bought the 40th oh another version I've got the 40th anniversary record store day picture disc and that sounds really crisp and I don't think it's been remastered it may have been I have to check but that to me is a, a, a stronger a stronger sound Look, I'm not going to go out track by track it's an absolute classic I just want you guys to um, take a listen um and let me you know, let you know, you know, give yourself a bit of a surprise if you haven't heard it, or we go back to it again and, and, and just give yourself another listen and see what you think about it. Um, uh, I've seen them live so many times, and so many times they do um, versions of most all the tracks. I think the only track I haven't seen live done on this album, to be honest with you, would be Steeler. Yep, it would be. I've even seen the Rage live, which is an unusual one to see live. But I haven't seen Steeler, and it's probably because I said I think it's the weaker on the album. And of course, when you've got you know, fifty years of of music to cover, it it uh, and it's not an easy thing to. You can't just put any song on. Although I wouldn't mind them coming out and doing the whole of British Steel, um, that would be outstanding, wouldn't it? Can you imagine doing two parts in the same gig? It'd be British Steel first part of the show and you know, stained glass in the second or um, painkiller. Uh, wow, now that would be that would be outstanding, wouldn't it? Anyway, that's the end of side one for now. Um, I've got a little bit more to talk. The second one, the second side might take a little bit longer, chat-wise, because it's a little bit more complicated, I think. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go and get a fresh cup of tea because uh, it's gone a bit cold. Um, I like cold tea. I love cold tea, but I don't. I, when I'm talking, it's better to warm one because it helps with the vocals. Um, and um, we'll come back to the other side and chat about the next album. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I want you to stay listening. Okay, talk to you on the other side, on the other side guys. Bye now. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to part two, guys. Um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, there might be some eye-rolling, but it's interesting. So I had to think of an album with a very large catalogue that, firstly, you probably wouldn't think about. Secondly, you probably don't think about. And thirdly, an album that I only just got back into during lockdown 1.0 um, here in last year, or year before, maybe. All blend, it all blends, isn't it? Um, anyway... Uh, it was much maligned when it was released. I absolutely personally love it. Uh, but it's something that you might not think about. And that is the epic concept album. Yes, I said that. Concept album. Uh, Nostradamus by Judas Priest. The longest of their album out- output. Their oddest of their album output. And I think, sadly, the most forgotten of their album output released on the 16th so this it was their 16th studio album and released on the 13th of june 2008 it's one hour it's 102 minutes and 48 seconds long so very long it was released on two cds uh, a special digipack three cd a three vinyl print which i have and i've got the cds as well um, and I've also got the special book that came out, like a digi book, um, that came out with it. Uh, it was originally meant to be released on two, in 2007 on Epic Records. We got delayed, and it's the last studio album with the lineup, um, with the Painkiller lineup. So, um, sadly, uh, KK Downing decided, retired in 2011. Four years later, three years later. Now I'm very lucky. I got to see them on this tour with uh, with Dave and uh, funny story um, we were staying at this I let Dave do the hotels right we used to have a competition um, who could who could um, who could book the shittiest hotel I look it's a long story short but I, I won it it was horrendous we didn't sleep there we walked around Sydney so he said he'd do it this time so we ordered it we booked in this place called Enfield in Sydney and we what was it Edmonton Enfield and we thought we'd walk to the gig. It said on the, you know, <laughs> it said on, on, on the Googles, um, this is pre-smartphone, right? He said, uh, you can walk to the venue. Well, needless to say, it took Dave and I about an hour and a bit to walk to the venue. Um, down the main, main, side of main roads, it was hilarious, through suburbs. It was a good, it was a good walk. We got there in the end. Um, the, were we on the we at the tail we at the beginning of my smartphones? We may have been. Two thousand and eight anyway. Um and they only played two tracks off the album live. They were supported by Down, which is the Phil Anselmo abomination. Um he was I never liked I never liked the band he was in and Down's even worse. But again, that's not here for me to I'm not here to talk about that. 
I'm not here to talk about Pantera and my dislike for them. I'm here to talk about this album in front of me. So 2000s. So yes, um, KK Downing left. So I got to see them um, with. Oh, pardon me. Uh, with um, a really shit hot lineup. I remember the the opening track, which is Nostradamus on the album. That it's like a, there's a big stage and they've got the image of Nostradamus on the back, um, and in the middle of the stage. The trapdoor opens and up comes Rob Halford in this sort of glittery silver um, cowl and, um, and sort of like a monk's outfit. All hunched over, you can't see his face, and he's singing the opening tracks um, not sort of underneath the, you know, in, like hidden in, in, the, in the cowl. It's, um, it was amazing. We were way out in the gods, though. We were at the back, way at the back, but it was still a, it was a, it wasn't the first time I seen him, but it was absolutely brilliant. Um, now, they'd toured this particular album uh, with uh, the Metal Matters tour with Heaven and Hell, Motorhead, and Testament. That would have been a great lineup, wouldn't it? He did that, did that around Europe and in America to give it see what the album so people would would do. Um, now there have been many many metal bands. Uh, it's now more so okay to do but there'd be many many metal bands that have gone let's make a concept album now concept albums don't have to say progressive rock i know yes i say every episode prog don't i but it's not it doesn't have to say progressive rock um just because it's conceptual it doesn't mean it's progressive it just means that you are you're taking a instead of taking a disparate array of musical ideas and having no direction you're taking you're getting one direction and put making that music lead that one direction yes it is still proggy i get you but it's not necessarily proggy if you think about um i am maiden seventh son of a seventh son it's very progressive i think in fact it kicks off in my opinion the progressive metal movement um along with uh operation mindcrime by queensrike but it's not necessarily although operation mindcrime is more story-driven than Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. And then, of course, you have, even earlier than that, you had um, Venom with a, war with a War with Satan, where the whole one side is uh, a, a metal opera, a, a thrash black metal opera almost, um, to, you know. So it's not a new concept. It is new to people that listen to Judas Priest, possibly, but it's not a new concept. It came to mind to um, their manager, Bill uh, Kirbishley, um, when they were on tour, um, and then it was, and so it was booted around, and they all thought, well, "This is a good idea. Let's, let's give it a go." I mean, you have things very brave um, because two thousand eight, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. You know, apart from Maiden bubbling around, uh, there wasn't a lot of really good metal on the. You know, in the airwaves, um, it was still really being taken over by a lot of, you know, the, the the synth pop, the the fake plastic bands, the the bland um, purveyors of pop perversity, as I like to call them, um, were sort of, you know, leeching and bellowing and belching into our faces on a regular basis um, with their sort of um, insipid floor gazing rubbish you know like um and we saw bill bailey on the weekend and he he said the same thing about coldplay and it's exactly what i mean it's that that real middle of the road middle class blandness and it's the same with things like radiohead and stuff like that sorry if i offend you radiohead listeners i know that john's a big fan um it's just that nothingness that that voidal music that doesn't goes nowhere has no um no balls as my dad would say no chutzpah as my mum would say right um so where was i going oh yes so it's really brave to release this album because they don't i mean let's be honest by 2008 they don't have to prove anything to any fucker it's judas priest they don't have to do anything they could release a triple album of glenn tipton singing you know um the Lord's Prayer in in, thir- in 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 ten different languages um, to hip hop tracks while um, KK Downing plays a sitar, and it would still 
it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter because it, they don't need to prove anything to anyone. It could make an album of cat noises. It wouldn't matter. Speaking, that's a little in joke there, guys. Because if you ever go to um, uh, to um, to Halford's website, he's a big cat lover. Got lots of cats. Um, anyway, it's also the first time they've that they've um, produced an album that has keys and core and and a choir attached to it. Which is sort of again that if you're gonna be point fingers at prog, that's probably that's quite proggy, right? Um, now, those out there young who don't understand who Nostradamus is, Nostradamus was born uh, Michel de Nostradamus. It was Latinized to Nostradamus um, in December 1503, and he died July 1566. He wrote he wrote the book Le Prophétie. Uh, in 1555, and it's basically a book of poems. He was an apocryphy apocrypha, so he was like a um, he made potions. He was a doctor. He was a, uh, a philosopher, and he wrote a book of poems that predicted. Um, so they say, if you read it, apparently, you know Hitler and the Iran Iraq War, and some are saying now Putin. But I'm sorry, you know, you can read sort of anything into anything really, and I'm a big believer in that stuff. But um, it's a little bit vague. Um, for me and now it, interestingly the album you would think being a triple album it's a lot of effort to listen to but it sold 42,000 copies in the first week it went to number 11 in the Billboard Top 200 and that hadn't been done by the band before um, it got beaten by them in 2014 for remember, uh, uh, Remembrance Remembrance of Souls um, which got to number 6 alright um Still, what an amazing, uh, what an amazing achievement for an album that, you know, and I love it. I really love it, guys. But for an album, in a lot of us, a lot of it could have been cut out. You could have got that down to two records, quite comfortably, um, and that's what all the reviews said. Some said it was a a, a, um, a self-indulgent um, pile of poo. Others say it was a magnificent um, album. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but one review even said it was on, on par with uh, Yes's Tales from a Tropic, Topographic Ocean um, and Close to the Edge, which is like, wow, you know, that's a big call. I don't know if I could put it in that same um, genre, that same sort of stratosphere, but, it, you know, it's still, someone thought that, and that's, and that's great. Um... You know, interestingly, live, they only played two tracks from the album, and... Um, Rob has come on and said he'd like to do a, the whole album live. Oh, it would be, oh man, it'd be amazing. They probably would, again, it wouldn't matter if they came out and said we're doing Nostradamus live the whole album. They'd still sell out venues because it's Judas Priest. And I don't really know if anyone would mind, to be honest. Um, yeah, they played Prophecy and Death, which is the two songs, which is, I don't know, Death is actually one of the best songs on the album, but we're skipping forward. Um, now, what were the singles off of it? Did write that down. Yeah, so there's two singles. So Nostradamus was released for their, their webpage, not as a physical copy, um, on the 12th of April. And then Visions was released actually as a single in, on May 2008. Um, and it's it's very much like being, uh, trying to take um, singles off of Misplaced Childhood by Marillion. Um, you can't do it. When you've got an album like this, is, which is side one, side two, or... In their case, it's side one, two, three, four, five, and six. Um, it's hard to find singles because they didn't write the album as a singles album. Really hard. Um, but you know, is what it is. Need to sell. Have to have product. Must have. You know, nowadays they would release singles as they go virally on YouTube, and you'd you'd you get to the album and already know most of it. So, it opens with Dawn of Creation, which is like a little instrumental, just gets you in. Now, hold on, guys. This is a big set list, okay? A big set list. Um, prophecy, a running list. A running, uh, prophecy, Awakening, Revelations, The Four Horsemen, War, Sands of Time, um, Pestilence and Plague, Death, Peace, um, Confession, Lost Love, Persecution, Solitude, Exile, Shadows in the Flames, Visions, Hope, uh, 
New Beginnings, Calm Before the Storm, Nostradamus, and Future of Mankind. Cool. It's a big, big old, old chewy, um, you know, chocolate bar of an album, you know, it really is. Uh, now, again, I'm not going to go track by track. It, it, you have to listen to the album. It will tell you the story of Nostradamus. It will, well, of, of what you can get from it. Um, I think it's also probably, to be fair, it's probably an, an allegory, analogous um, about modern life, uh, about you know the prediction of modern life, and and what and also um, what belief we. I mean, you could read into it that it's if you listen to it, like you think if you take what a man said in 1555 as read. Um, is, are you more as gullible as someone who then picks up their smartphone, reads that vaccines are, you know, made by the CIA to control our brains? You know, I mean, I, it, you know, it's it's the same thing, isn't it? I think it's an, analogous in that respect that it, um, it's probably saying that. It, I mean, I because I think two thousand eight, not the birth of the internet, but the internet was eight at its height, eight nine years old, and. Uh, and in everyone's household and in everyone's pockets and I think the information that was being exported then is not probably as bad as it is now as I said I've got a, um, a little square slab of plastic and glass in my pocket that's infinitely deep full of infinite morons um, infinite wisdom but infinite morons you know like um, you know give a monkey give an infinite amount of monkeys an infinite amount of typewriters and they'll write Shakespeare Unfortunately, that's not the case with this one. Um, I have written some listening notes, okay? Uh, I've written bombastic, overbloated, long-winded. Now, they sound a negative, right? You think, oh, Tony, that's negative. Tone, that's negative. Yes, because it is. It is overload, over, overblown, bombastic, and long-winded. But you know that going in, it's a three-album concept album. If you don't go into a three-disc concept album, knowing that it's going to be parts where you go, well, time to make the tea. Um, you know, time to go and uh, scratch my ass in the corner. Go, I might go and uh, you know book that flight while it's playing in the background. Um, then it's a concept album. There's always going to be widdly diddly, noodly woodly, you know, um, moments. The difference is because it's a, a heavy rock album, a high, heavy metal album. Those noodly woodly midly widdly moments are actually really fucking good. Um, the guitar solo in Revelations is just crazy for me. Um, it's and 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 the vocal, the vocal gymnastics that 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 um, Rob gets into on Persecution is delicious i would i would i would stick I'd, if you said can i have two singles off this album i'd have revelations and persecution um by a long way um, i really love four horsemen because four horsemen um again says what it does on the tin it's very gallopy it's, it's a lot of fun it is a dark album i mean it is very dark because it is about a man predicting the end of the world and it's about you know it's not about uh, an album about let's talk about um, Nostradamus and his day-to-day life, what he bought for breakfast, what he went, where he went for lunch, what he was wearing on a Monday. It was none of that business. Um, it's all about his book and the interpretation of his book. Very brave. Um, I think that if you're going to go out on an album, KK, this is the way to go out. Now you might shake your fist and go, "What do you mean, go out on on this album? It's it's pretty." Um, inaccessible um, oh, sorry one second not, not, not just knocking bang crash well, okay I don't think it is I don't think it is I think um, it could be reissued and maybe it might do in, in 2028 when it's 20 years old um, and they might edit out some of the tracks but I think you know why would you um when I said before, I thought that Ian Hill was quite one-dimensional in most of his albums, in all, all the albums. That's not, I don't want to be disparaging Ian Hill because I'm a bass player. I know many bass players, and I understand that it's not... Even people think it's an easy instrument. 
it is not an easy instrument because you're either lambasted for being just a dum 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 boom 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 dum person or you're um, all over the place and nonsensical because you're trying to be a lead instrument like I learned to play the bass so it was a solo instrument on my own um, with no band because and this is before the internet so you could just like play along to tracks I'd, I'd put on out al- I'd put on albums and try and copy them but most of the time I'd sit there and I'd play the bass like a lead guitar because you know sitting there you know hitting a note and waiting for two beats to hit another note it's really tedious as if you're practicing I'd learn my scales and I'd play on my scales and then I'd try and I was trying to copy Steve, Har- uh, Steve Harris where he, he chords a lot so I was trying to chord a lot same with um uh, you know, same with um, Yes's uh, Chris Squire. He courted a lot. So did Giddy Lee, uh, Giddy Lee, sorry. Um, you know, and Paul McCartney. I was trying to do all that, and so it is. An, it's a difficult instrument. Now, I'm sidetracking a bit there, but on this album, Ian lets loose. Now, these guys are of an era where they would have listened to prog back in the early '70s. They would have been around some of that hippie movement stuff as I mentioned last week with the free love, free drugs and open mind I mean, so you know but Ian would have gone, well it's rock and roll I, you might, you know, and also I know that Ian's a big fan of um, the Stones and the Stones um, do, you know, it was very much on the beat you know, or just behind, or just, you know that simple one second I don't know why my computer got turned off there because it just did. Um, you know, so you sort of he lets. I think this is his best album, bass wise. Uh, the whole tone of the album. Um, it was recorded in several studios um, across Europe, and it has a really deep sort of. It is almost spectral as a sound. Um, I mean, it's heavy metal. There's a limitation of what a heavy sound can be like, but I think within the within those limitations, uh, all four of them absolutely um, kill it. Absolutely kill it. You know, yes. So you know, there are weaknesses on the album because I don't really like Exiled, and I think Shadows and the Flames doesn't really do it for me. Um, Sounds of Time get a bit weak. War is. Uh, brilliant and what is it good for absolutely nothing right as we know um but war and death those ones because they're the the four horsemen of the apocalypse like i think they that alone if you did an ep with judas priest doing the four horsemen of the apocalypse like um like um the brilliant new New album band um holocaust did it would just be outstanding wouldn't it can you just you know those um it would take in all the fluff out but i think the fluff is the fun i think sometimes with this album so what i'm saying is it it wouldn't have been a i don't think it would have been a pick for most people out there i don't know if a lot of judas priest fans particularly on this side of the world have listened to it um if they have they haven't given it time um, I'm sure it's the least most played album. I reckon that and Rock and Roller because it's an older album and not as heavy. Um, you know, people go on at Turbo who um, was a terrible album with all the synth stuff. But people come back subsequently and, and like me love that album. Uh, I have to say that I, it was at least, gosh, it would be 10 years, maybe even longer between listening to this album it was locked down when I decided I would go to my record collection and sort of go through alphabetically um, and I did get to J and it was a long old haul that one um, and got to J because I, I mean I do have a huge collection and I got to J and and oh, I'll do Priest and I didn't do P because I thought well J I'll just do J I was going first letters, although, to be honest, T would be useless, wouldn't it? Now I think about it, um, it was actually, I don't know, I, my, my record collection is mixed all over the place. I sometimes have it alphabetically, sometimes I don't. But I got to J, and I thought Judas Priest, right? I don't have many bands with J, so they're in J. Um, 
We've got quite a few in for P, mind you. So that's why they're in J. And that's my logic. Stranger that is. Um, and I thought, well, no. Um, I listened to most of the back catalogue, but the one that stuck out to me, and I thought, well, hang on. I haven't played Nostradamus in God knows how long. Again, I think it was because um, back then I was a bit snobby um, about, you know, I wanted, and I was going through a phase back in the sort of 2010, 11, maybe 12, where I wanted it just to be extreme. And I don't know whether, um, I don't, and I think that Priest was sort of, well, I, like like everything was just put on the back burner. I didn't listen to Maiden much either because I wasn't enjoying the the those early 2000 Maiden albums and I was really getting more into the sort of, you know, your, um, your extreme bands. I was getting back into Venom again and I was getting back, I was getting into the Norwegian stuff and they, they met, I was doing your Deicides and your Slayers and stuff. Um, subsequently though, since lockdown, um, I managed to reacquaint myself with this album and um, I can see why I, why they sold so many copies in the first week. Now they may have sold so many copies in the first week because there had been some time between drinks and it was a priest and as I said the radio airwaves were consumed by blandness and insipidness and drudgery um, that those fans out there with a bit of cash in their pocket because they were probably you know coming to of age the painkiller fan group were coming a bit older and when they had you know more money in their pockets because they probably finished their college years earning money um full-time work left university whatever and so they thought oh man gonna get the new priest album um because it's like the rite of passage isn't it anyone that listens to heavy metal will will go through that that rite of passage you know it will be your it will be your led zeppelin your deep purple your black sabbath um, and then it will go into your Iron Maidens, your Motorheads, your Judas Priest, and then you'll move to your Metallicas and your Slayers and your Anthraxes and your Megadeths, and then onto the, you know, um, onto the black stuff, onto um, Bathory and Gorgoth and Gorguts and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, Celtic Frost, Hellhammer, Venom. You, you just move into these different phases and. I think that's why it did so well in the first week. I think it failed dramatically in Europe, and I don't think it sold. In fact, I remember something like reading somewhere that in Australia, when I went to see the band, in fact, that's right, because I I, I had I'd looked them up, the sales of the album, and I think we saw them, and it only sold something like um, 165 units in that first six weeks or something in Australia which is really criminal and it's probably why they don't tour here as much as they should because they don't get the record sales although um, the last album absolutely was a, such a corker of an album that that it sold massively here because they toured here with Download and, and then had their own solo album um, tours but in conclusion guys in conclusion I managed, I managed to wrap this up in under in just on an hour which is great um, in conclusion the first album that we spoke about you know British Steel an absolute gold gold classic standard classic it's, it's there isn't it it's there with your um, your number of the beasts your in rock you know um, You know all those 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 sort of big big you know behemoths of the of the genres. Um, it is there with it, right? And I think that it can never be forgotten. It will never go away. Sadly, though, I think Nostradamus is is one of those things that could become an endangered species um, because they're either. I mean. If those out there who listen to my show who really are into progressive metal, and there's a lot of you out there, um, now progressive metal does have this tendency to be, called, to be very technical, and it's you know it's full of um, suspended sevenths, augmented ninths, you know, um, jazz chords, uh, extreme technical speed, um, 
you know, ferocious, um, unbelievably um, tactile drums. It's 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 keyboards. It's all that sort of stuff. This, as I said before, just because it's a, a linear story doesn't mean it's technically what I would call a progressive album because musically it's not progressive. For the band, it's progressive because it has core, uh, choir and keyboards, um, but it's not what I would call a traditional progressive album. So those out there who'd like their prog, hey, jump in and have a listen to this because um, it may be a, a window to the wonderful world of prog again. You never know, right? It might open up your eyes. Um, it's definitely uh, it, it didn't open my eyes because I've, I've loved prog since I was like seven or eight, so it makes no difference to me. But it might it might it might ease you in a bit. Um, I do know friends of mine I've, if I've mentioned it to in passing and they've tried it and they couldn't get into it because there wasn't any um, sonic or sonic in, input in points you know like sometimes some albums you put them on and it's like oh god no skip oh, I'm in you know and then once you got in you go back and you can listen, try and listen to the bit you, you have to skip and then you go well no I'll skip it still or I'll, um, I'll move the needle to the next track or I'll fast forward the tape or whatever um because you just can't get into it but there are points where you can jump in and I uh, I think this album doesn't have those jump in points because because the story is told so well and so linearly that if you, if you miss the first two or three songs you don't have any way of understanding what comes um, okay now I don't often do this but this is my 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 way for you to listen to this album when you finish this listening to this program, if you think, ah, oh, I'm going to go and listen to the album now, Tone says listen to it, um, do me a favour, block out the, the 102 minutes, don't have anything to do in the 102 minutes, apart from listen to this album. I do it, I lie in my bath when I do it, um, and I really just put the light out and I just immerse myself, because if there's too much light for me, and too much going on, I can't get the music to to dance in my head um so i need no distractions i don't know how people can do things and listen to music and to actually analyze it just the listeners passing of course i do i put music on when i'm walking when i'm going to work when i'm in in fact every every moment of my day has something going but when i really want to get into it that's what i'll do um if i was a smoker it'd be a cigar a glass of brandy or whiskey um or a decent dark ale um light off music on noise cancelling headphones or a really really good stereo system um try and play it not stream it if you can so you can get it more analog uh, because i think that's the best way to hear it if you can't stream it that's fine um just do that for me and just get through it it's only i know it sounds like a lot 102 minutes it's a lot of time of your life and we're all time poor but there are times when you can do it. Don't do it when you go to bed because you fall asleep. You won't hear it. You, you'll just you'll try and get back in, and it'll be you won't know where you were. It's like reading a book without a book. You need a bookmark. But even if you bookmark it, you, you're gonna you might like like reading a good book. You leave it for a few days. You go, oh geez, what was that? What was I reading about? What was it about? What happened then? Particularly when you're my age, because you don't remember yesterday or the, or 20 minutes ago, let alone an hour before. So you need to. Give yourself time for it, you know. British Steel, you still do the same, but British Steel is a thirty odd minutes, and it's it's a moment of joy that can be consumed and listened to at any point, really, anywhere, anytime. It doesn't matter. Um, probably not at a funeral or, or you know something like that, but <laughs> but oh, I know you never know. I'm sure that someone has been. Um, sent off this mortal coil with um with the dulcet tones of halford playing in the background it's not a bad idea really truly um but yes give yourself that time then tell yourself what you think go away give it a love a week or two away from it come back do it again um don't play it in conjunction with other priest albums because it it won't work it doesn't sit it's not painkiller it's not screaming for vengeance it's not stained class it's not turbo it's not any of not british deal is not any of those it's such a diametrically different album 
and I think that's where the wondrousness occurs with it and why it's such a, a sumptuous piece of modern almost operatic um, music it really lifts me um, when I listen to it and it really just makes me so smile because it means that these intelligent men are making intelligent music and it's not just bum you know heads to the wall thuggery that can be the case in a lot of um, metal music of any genre or subgenre um, it's just smart it's really smart and very very brave um, and on that note I'm going to let you go um, go and do that go listen to the album let me know what you think um, I love it and I always will love it um, more so now since I've revisited it and now that I have that connection that I was in lockdown it makes me think of lockdown and things that went on and it makes you sort of smile a bit um, whether I could reconnect with my family and my music and that's when I started the podcast back in lockdown so you know this is very important for me and hopefully for you um, that's it for this week uh, talk to you next week keep safe um, and uh, yeah go and listen to the albums bye for now deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.